So here we are in Psalms 81. This is an amazing verse of Scripture that I want you to set to memory. I don't want you to ever let this verse of Scripture leave you ever again, as today we're going to talk about faith-level praying. I am here to be your coach. I am here to encourage you. I'm here to charge you. I am here to uh, uh, stir you. I'm here to shake you. I am here to whatever I can do to get you to take your prayer to the next level and have faith-level praying, because faith-level praying is what God responds to. Faith level praying is how we see the manifest of heaven on earth. Faith level praying is going to change everything in your life. And I just want to encourage you today from the Word of God. In Psalms 81, uh, uh, chapter 81, verse 10, it says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, so open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Can you see this pooch up there? He looked at that hot dog and he said, I'll open my mouth and receive it. Well, the Lord Lord wants you to open wide your mouth so he can fill it. He wants you to be praying big. He wants to do exploits. He wants to do supernatural and miraculous things in your life. So much he said to the prophet, tell my people, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So he's challenging us to call unto him. He's challenging us to open wide our mouth. He is challenging us so that he can answer us us and show us great and mighty things, great and mighty things, not little things, not just get you by things, but great and mighty things which you do not even know. He wants to go beyond even your expectation. We want to take our prayer to the next level, calling it faith level praying because faith level praying touches the heart of God and sees the hand of God manifested in our lives. But you know, we've got to deal with some misconceptions about prayer because we're religious folk, and we religious folk, we know everything, right? We got it all right, right? Okay. There's a, you know, the zealots that are in us. There's the Pharisee that is in us. There's the Sadducee that is in us. There's all these things, these things that wrestle in us that we have to make sure we don't listen to those voices because they will lead you astray. So here's some misconceptions about prayer. The first thing I believe is a misconception about prayer is prayer is like a first aid kit. It's like a first aid kit. We, we buy it. We know we need it. We put it in a shelf somewhere. But we rarely go to it unless there's an emergency. So much so that at times we forget where we even put it. Yeah, anybody in here ever bought a first aid kit? Come on, talk to me. How many of you have ever lost a first aid kit? <laughs> it's like, I don't know what cabinet. Where did I put that thing? Okay, because we only go to it rarely when we need it. Let me tell you what, if you look at prayer that way, that is not faith level praying. That is a fire escape type mentality that you're only going to God when there's a fire in that building and you're only going to God when there's a, a, a wound or, or, or some great uh, uh, a problem in your life. And God does not want us only coming to him in the emergencies. God wants to do great and mighty things in our lives all the time. So that's one misconception. Another misconception is what I call the chemist formula. The chemist formula, which we think in our minds, if we get the right formula, especially the these and the thous and the Elizabethan English, somehow or another, that's going to be the formula that God listens to. And if we can pray like that, then surely God will hear us and surely God will answer. I think God looks at more, more of that as a comedy show. He probably does. He's not angry when we do it. He probably just gets a good laugh. 
when we try to come to him with our these and our thous and get our Elizabethan 1611 English just right so that we feel like we can impress God, get our formula just right. Uh, and I, but I also believe it saddens God because it's like we're missing the whole point. We're missing the relationship here. Another misconception that I see is what I call the essay. And that's where we view God as a God. He's a college professor and he grades on the number of pages that you fill. Okay, so the more words that you have, the more apt God is to respond. Now, you never want to go out to dinner with these people and ask them to pray because the food will get cold and you'll need a shave after uh, the prayer. Now, some people say, why didn't you shave before the prayer? Well, you didn't need a shave before the prayer, but it was long enough that you grew a beard. Uh, They got to pray for every missionary. They got to pray for every hurting people group. They got to pray for every continent. They got to pray for uh, every challenge. They got to pray for everything they've read in the news. They got to pray for everything that Brother Les just talked about on the Channel 3 News and and, and the updates and the highlights. And they got to pray for it all. They just got to pray for it all. And then you're sitting there going, would they shut up? So you're not spiritual at all. I mean, you got your head bowed. You look spiritual. But you're thinking, would they shut up? My food, I'm hungry. This chicken smells really good. You know, and they're going on and on. You ever met with someone that, that they felt like they got to pray the essay prayer? That if it's not 36 pages, then God's not going to give them an A and answer it? You, you avoid people like that. Be honest. How, how many of you avoid people like that? Because it really, is it that necessary? I read all of the prayers of Jesus and they were really short. I read all the prayers of Jesus and they got right to the point and they was from a heart relationship with the Father. So it's almost like we don't have enough faith to believe, so we add and we add. We're almost like we're trying to convince ourselves by praying and praying and praying so long and so hard. Then there's this misconception I look at as what's called the bargain. The bargain. God, let's make a deal. You know, let's make a deal. Anybody ever remember that program? Let's make a deal. And sometimes you would switch out and you change one curtain for the other curtain and you would get the donkey or the mule or whatever going hee-haw at you or whatever. You know, you didn't end up too well. But you're there. God, if you'll answer my prayer, I'll give you curtain, my curtain three for your curtain one. If you'll give me, you know, answer this, I'll do this and do that. That's not a good way to pray. Let me tell you what. Most of the time when we pray that way and we get our answer to prayer, we fail to comply and do what we said we would do. The Bible says it's better to not make a vow than to make a vow and break it. So you've got to be very careful in doing that. And God is not a God that if you'll bring enough to the table, then he'll release something to you. Let me tell you what. Jesus brought everything that was needed to the table. And by faith, you can appropriate everything that he has provided for you. So you don't have to make a deal with God, you know. Uh, you read in the Bible of deals that were made. And, and the first person that comes back out, if you'll give us victory over this enemy, the first person comes back out, I'll sacrifice them to you. And then the daughter runs out to meet the daddy. And I mean, that happened. I mean, that's this stuff you just got to not, that's not how God, he put that in the Bible to tell us that's what you don't do. So it's, it's not this bargain uh, that you're trying to make with God. Another misconception I find out many times in prayer is what's called the magic spell. The magic spell, you know, where we see God is a celestial genie. And if we rub him just the right way, he'll grant our wish. You know, if we just we just uh, maneuver him and talk to him and puff him up, and tell him how good he is and, and all this stuff. If we can just rub him the right way then his benevolence will be seen towards us and he'll be the genie that pops out of the bottle and says, I'll give you two wishes. What are your two wishes? 
Well, my first wish would always be for an unlimited number of wishes to follow. But, you know, that's not how it works. He's not, he's not a God he's, uh, that acts like a genie. Then there's another misconception I see all the time in prayer, and that's what I call, and this is a tough one, the fight. The fight. You know what I'm talking about? We forcefully remind God who is reluctant, who is lazy, who's forgot his promises, who's forgot his obligations, and we're fighting with God. You ever had anybody pray over you fighting with God? Man, I had somebody one time, I had a backache, and I just was really down in my back. This was years ago. And they started beating on my back and saying, God, touch him, God, release him, God, bring healing. And I'm telling you what, I was worse off after the prayer than before. And, and it wasn't God, it was them, you know. And I started to go take charges out against them for, well, for battery or whatever. But nonetheless, you don't have to do that. That is not... That is someone who is praying out of faith. They're not praying in faith. They're praying out of faith because, and, and they're so forceful because they, they are so, uh, there's such a lack of confidence. See, sometimes the bulliest people and the meanest people to you are the most insecure people. If you got beneath all that surface, there's an insecure person there. And let me tell you what, you don't want to be insecure in your relationship with God because there's no need to be. Jesus came and took away all and everything that would stand between you and our Heavenly Father. He paved the way. He built the bridge. His cross was the bridge that reconciles us back to Father. So let me tell you what, you don't have to be forceful. You don't have to uh, fuss at God to make Him do something. Have you ever seen a spouse or a parent fussing at the child or fussing at one another to try and get them, get up and do your duty, get up, get up. And you're like, wow, this is all this necessary. You know, so uh, I can tell you what, when a spouse does that to another spouse, it makes rebellion rise up. It makes resistance rise up. Uh, you can get more. What is it? You can catch more flies with honey than you can. Or what is the saying? Catch more flies with honey or bees with honey than uh, uh, vinegar. So, um, you know, you don't have to be fighting with God, you know. And another misconception I see all the time is what I call the Christmas list. I'm telling you what, we, we, you know, we come to God once a year, just once a year is all it takes. And we give him, uh, we tell him how good we've been. And, you know, we're not on the naughty list. We tell him that, you know, like he doesn't know where we're at. And then we give him our list and we expect him to, to fulfill and give us all of the things on our list. Let me tell you what, all of these are misconceptions about prayer. You'll never have faith level praying if you've got any of these mindsets of prayer. So let us look in the Word of God and let us see what true prayer is and how do we communicate with God. And uh, I mean, imagine your teenager. Okay, imagine Victor coming up to you, Rick, and he says, Oh, great and wise Father, knower of all things, provider of my shelter and daily food, author of our family order and our peace, and you're the generous and benevolent ruler of the house. Would you please uh, lend me money for uh, lunch today? I mean, Rick would look at Victor and say, I know you're smart, but what happened to you? Something hit you in the head? You know, but that's not how we speak to our earthly father. And that's not how we should speak to our heavenly father. You hear people pray like that all the time. And, and, and let me tell you what, it doesn't take that. Uh, uh, when we pray to God, here's what it should be. It's simply a child speaking to his earthly father the same way we as a child would speak to our heavenly father. So prayer is simply conversation between a child and his or her father. That's prayer. 
It can be verbal or nonverbal. It can be formal or informal. It can be public or private. But it concerns the topic of the child's choice. See, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to come to him as your, as your father. And he wants you to talk. You can, it can be verbal. It can be nonverbal. It can be formal. It can be informal. It can be public. It can be private. But he wants you to talk about whatever you want to talk about. He's a good God, and he's got big, big ears. Let me tell you what. He can hear all of us, and he wants to hear the detail. Don't come and say, God, I know you're busy. I know you're busy. So let me just rush in and rush out. I don't want to take up your time. God is not bound by the chronos of time like we are. So we must see him for the infinite God that he is. He's a God who is all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. And he's omnipresent. So we come to him and we speak to him as you would to an, a healthy earthly father. See, Christian parents often teach their children uh, these little prayers. And, and I'm not against that, but we got to be careful. You know the prayer, God is great, God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. You know that when anybody ever pray that prayer? Some of you never heard that? Are you heathens? No, no. And that's not a bad prayer. It's not a bad prayer, okay? The fact is God is great. He is. And He's almighty. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And He's definitely able to do anything and everything. Nothing's too hard for Him, right? And He's good. Yes, God is good. And we do need to thank Him. But the, the challenge is we don't want to learn these little rote prayers where we're not talking to God. We're just talking about God getting through the checklist so that we can eat or go to bed or whatever it is. And now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul shall keep. If I should die before I wake, uh, pray the Lord my soul will take. You know, I learned that and I learned the other one. And we would do it so fast it sounded like we were speaking in tongues. Mom would put that fried chicken on the plate and that homemade macaroni and cheese and there it was just wafting up and grabbing our nostrils and we're praying. We say, you know, I, don't, I can't even think how we would pray it so fast. But we go, blah, 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 amen. And everybody, blah, 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 amen. So with our kids, the temptation was, I said, we're not going to learn rote prayers. I want you to pray from your heart. And uh, so, so then what they did is they got their little catch prayers, catchphrase prayers going and they sounded, it started out from their heart, but then we, mom would put some of that Romanian cooking on the table there and there'd be some cabbage rolls and I'm telling you, those things are smelling good and they're, and they're doing their little thing. And I said, wait, let's stop, let's stop. Isn't it bad to have a dad for a preacher? Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? Did you say yes? Oh, you didn't? Okay. I thought I heard something. <laughs> Woo, we're going to have counseling right now. <laughs> Poor things, here they are. They're, they're wanting to eat that food. And, and dad said, no, let's, let's pray from our heart. Let's pray from our heart. And Caleb's always said since he could talk almost, he's going to be a preacher one day and an NFL football player. So, so he's always the one volunteering to pre, uh, pray uh, before, you know. So we're like, no, Morgan, you pray. No, Townsend, you pray. And... Um, but let's pray from our heart. It doesn't have to be fancy, but let's just really talk to God. He's here and thank him for this food. And they say, Dad, whatever it takes, let's get this thing done. You know. <laughs> but let me tell you what, God is a good God. And he wants us to come before him and speak to him heart to heart. He wants to get good stuff to you. Do you know in Romans 8.32, the Bible says that he who spared not his own son, he delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
He, he said, I was willing to give my son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. I love you that much. So how much more am I will, willing to give you all things? He wants you to have better than you have right now. He wants you to experience more than you're experiencing right now. He wants you to live at a different level than you're living right now. He wants better for you than where you're at. Now that's a good God. That's an amazing God. And to me, He is worthy of all the praise and all the glory. Amen. But the thing He tells us is if we fail to ask, we are not going to receive the fullness of all that He has provided for us. There was once a man praying about some serious problems he was having, and he prayed, Lord, it may seem like I'm asking a whole awful lot here, uh, but if you will just hear me just this one time, and you'll answer this prayer, I won't bother you in the future. Let me tell you what, that is not a prayer that pleases God. It's ridiculous to think that we would exhaust the, the, the favor and the power and the supply of God. God says His supply would be like, let's say... Uh, you're running a car on gasoline. And let's say the oceans of the world, all the oceans of the world were gasoline. And he's saying, my supply is like the oceans and your need is like that little 20-gallon tank that you fill up every week or two. He says, how do you think if you were to drive every day for the rest of your life, how do you think you would even put a dent into the oceans of my provision. And that's what he wants us to see, that he is so great and we don't have faith to believe that when we don't come to him and petition him. In Matthew 13, 58, concerning the town of Nazareth, the Bible tells of a sad occasion in Jesus' life. It says that Jesus did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He wanted to do more. He wanted to heal them. He wanted to deliver them. He wanted to provide for them. He wanted to do so much more, but He did not many works there because of their unbelief. Let me tell you what, I believe there's so much in our life that we're missing out on because we've not asked. We've not petitioned the Lord. He commands us to pray big. I want you to hear the Word of God today. He is commanding you to pray big. In Psalms 81 and 10, He says, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, so open your mouth wide. He's commanding you, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. It's like He's given us His resume here. I know He's not, but it's kind of like He's given us His resume. And He says, I'm a miracle working God. And as a miracle working God, I am the Lord. See, he says, I am the Lord your God. You were in bondage and it looked like it was impossible. 400 years of generational curse and generational bondage. And it looked like there was no way you could get out of that land of bondage. But I wanted you to, I'm the God that brought you out. That which was impossible, I made possible. That which looked like it could never change, I changed it for you. He said, I opened up the Red Sea and brought you across on dry ground. I brought you into a wilderness and there I brought water up out of the rock to quench the thirst of millions of people for 40 years in a land where there was no water. He says, I gave you manna from heaven. There was no food. There was just sand. But I dropped the bread from heaven and I want you to see I'm a God. 
God that can do great and mighty things. And your clothes did not wear out for 40 years. Your shoes did not wear out in the most uh, abrasive uh, 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 nature you could have been in, an environment you could have been in, but they did not wear out for 40 years. When you came to the Jordan, it was flooding, uh, and I parted the flood, uh, and I brought you across on dry ground. And you came into the promised land, and there was a fortified city. They were trained in warfare, and you were not. They had warfare, uh, uh, all the things that you would need, the weapons, and you had none, but I gave it to you supernaturally. He says, I am the God that does these things. So I want you to open your mouth wide so I can feel it. Open up and believe me and trust me and call on me and depend on me for greater things, he says, because that's who I am and that's what I want to do in and through your lives. Hallelujah. He wants you to see it. He wants us to experience it. And when we do, and we've done it in this way, He gets the glory. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He gets the glory. He promoted us when we couldn't promote ourselves. He gets the glory. Hallelujah. But we've got to ask. The Bible says that you receive little because you ask for little. In James chapter 4, this is New Testament teaching now. Where did we get that character with the zipped up lip? Okay. <laughs> you do not have because you do not ask. Look what he says. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. How much clearer could it get than that? That we're, we're trying through our own efforts and our own wisdom and our own uh, righteousness trying to make things happen for us when God says, I want to be the super in your natural and I want to I do for you things that can't even be explained by the intellect of men. Praise God. One of, one of my favorite, uh, not biblical characters, but church history characters is a man named George Mueller. Now, George Mueller, he's a great man to read after. I'm telling you, build your faith. He is called the modern apostle of prayer. 1805 to 1898 is, his, is the time that he lived. And this was his favorite verse of Scripture. Now, he's the apostle of prayer, modern apostle of prayer. And this was his platform. This was his uh, belief system. This was what he prayed and talked and, and quoted and, and had written around him every day. Psalms 81.10. He would not get his eyes off of it. And do you know the results of his life? He raised over $7 million for the Lord's work without ever asking a man for a penny. Never asked anyone for a donation. Never gave them a, a form that they could fill out to donate. Never did it. Ever, ever. He raised over $7 million. Now, this is back in the early 1800s, which with uh, inflation would be like $180 million today. Can you imagine raising $180 million through your prayer closet and never asking a person for a dime? Somebody that's in need needs to hear this word right now. And one by one, 
I'm telling you, he built these orphanages in England, cared for more than 10,000 orphans. He was able to finance it all through prayer. Day by day, they would buy the, the food, the clothes, and everything they needed. The money was provided supernaturally by prayer. I'm telling you, there wasn't no GoFundMe. There wasn't any of that stuff. He was just going and talking to God. He supported hundreds of missionaries, printed millions of pamphlets, and provided people with tens of thousands of Bibles for money that he never asked for a penny. It all came through prayer. He established, believe it or not, 117 schools. Did you hear that? 117 schools which offered Christian education to over 120,000 children and he financed it all with prayer money. With prayer money. He was accused of raising the poor above their natural station in life. Europe was upset with him. England was upset with him. You are erasing our poor class. You're wiping our poverty class away. This is not good. I don't understand where that came from, but nonetheless, there was articles written in the paper against him. One time, one of the boilers in one of the big uh, orphanages was down, and it was freezing cold. And he was, he, the workers were there working on it, and he prayed, God, if they can't get it fixed by 5 or 6, whenever they knock off, I pray that they would work through the night until it's fixed. And, and as he's praying, this southern warm front begins to come in and it pushes off that cold front and the temperature rises real quickly. And can you imagine that happening? That one moment it's cold and the next moment it's hot and the next moment it's cold and the moment it's cold. If you live in Virginia, you know exactly how that can happen. Okay. So when the supervisor blew the whistle for all the workers to go home that night, they said, you know, uh, it's uh, warmed up so much. And the men, they, they were suffering so much working in the cold. Can we stay here and finish the job being that it's so warm now? Can we work through the night? Wow. That's just one of the stories. There's another story when he's crossing the Atlantic Ocean on the SS Sardinian. Uh, this was August in 1877, and the ship ran into this real thick fog. So uh, George had this very important meeting. He didn't need to be behind schedule, but the captain had taken the ship almost to standstill because they could not see. There was no visibility. So then Mr. Mueller, he goes up to the captain and he says, uh, can I use your uh, captain's quarters, the chart room, to go in and pray? And the captain says, sure, Mr. Mueller, you can go in. He said, do you mind if I join you? And Mr. Mueller said, no, come on in, captain. So the captain went in with him to the chart room, and uh, George began to pray, and the captain began to pray. But the captain was praying in unbelief. Did you know you can pray in unbelief? And he's saying, Lord, I know this fog is here and it's going to put us behind on the schedule and we can't see this. I mean, it's probably going to take a whole day for this fog to go away. So, Lord, I, you know, and, and, and George stopped him. He, Mr. Mueller said, he stopped him. He said, stop, stop, Captain. Let me show you how to pray. He says, I, I, know, I, I know how to talk to our father and see things change rather than him just giving us the patience to hang in there. So uh, the captain says, yes, sir. So he, he, he humbled himself and, and George began to pray and he began to come against that fog in the name of Jesus. And when they went back up on the bridge, the fog was gone and it was completely clear. And the captain says, I want to get saved and know Jesus like you know him. And he gave his heart to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, how in the world did George Mueller accomplish so much and witness so many miracles? Because he opened wide his mouth and God filled it. 
Psalms 81.10, it was his favorite verse. He said, I get up declaring it. I declare it throughout the day. And I remind myself of it going to bed at night. That God wants to do miraculous things in and through our lives if we'll just believe Him. If we'll just give Him the opportunity. That's why the prophet said in Jeremiah 33 and 3, Call to me and I will answer you. God says... Prophet said, I hear what God is saying. And this is what God is saying to you people. Call unto me. Call unto me. I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Praise God. What an amazing God we serve. I mean, Jesus tells us in Matthew 17 and 20, He says, If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, and you shall say to this mountain, Move from here and there, and it will move, and nothing, nothing. Look at somebody said, He said, Nothing. Nothing. Come on, say Nothing nothing will be impossible to you. We got to get that in our spirit. We got to get that in our head. We got to get that in our soul. We got to get that in our body. We need to get nothing, nothing, nothing. What about this? Nothing. What about that? Nothing shall be impossible for you. Oh, hallelujah. Let me give you a verse of scripture that'll cause your, your, you, you to want to run. Okay. Anybody here ever get the notion you just want to run? Things get so good you just want to run. Okay. You may want to run on this. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him, talking to Jesus, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. That we ask. Or thing, according to the power that works in us. I think he's talking about the power of faith. The Spirit-inspired, infused power of faith. Because we cannot please God without faith. And faith without works is dead. Amen? Now look at this. He, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all... You got it in the line here. Okay, let's say it out loud. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Again, exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Now loud. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Okay. That phrase comes from the Greek, huper ek peruso. Now, you want to say that out loud. Okay. Huper ek peruso. Okay. This, this word will make you run. This word will make you shout. If you study Greek, studying Greek will... Cause you to turn gray. No, no. But, but if you understood Greek, you would say, Woo! This is amazing! This is awesome! So let me tell you what that Hooper ek Peruso really means. It's impossible, really, to express the full meaning in words. So here, they're trying to do it exceedingly abundantly above all. They're trying to do it. But it means that God is able to do super abundantly above the greatest abundance imaginable plus some multiplied by a billion. That, that still is short of what God does. But he says he's, he, he's able to do super abundantly above the greatest abundance imaginable plus a multiplication factor of a billion. Of anything you ask or think. According to the power that works in us. He is super abundantly able to do above all that we ask. Why are we asking? Because we don't have faith to do so. But today, our faith level praying is stepping up. We're not letting our prayer man or prayer woman stay in unbelief. We're not going to let our praying agent within us stay in doubt. We're going to say, it's time for you to step up. 
You step up to the faith level and we're going to start praying in faith and we're going to start asking in faith and we're going to start declaring in faith and we're going to start seeing it happen in faith and we're going to start walking in faith. Hallelujah! Because we've been living beneath the blessing and God sent me here to say, you need to work on your faith muscle. Now, if a nutritionalist came up to you, if someone came to you and a doctor and they said, look, you've got diabetes, you've got heart disease, you've got cholesterol, you've got uh, uh, lung issues, you've got uh, all kinds of problems with uh, uh, your uh, muscles, your legs, your joints, your everything, you're falling apart and, and you just you're just miserable. You live like a hermit and only do what you can get by with because you're miserable. But I know how to fix this. Your muscle mass is almost zero. And that is not good. So what we're going to do is we're going to start building your muscle. I'm going to coach you. And we're going to build your muscle. And as your muscle mass increases, your metabolism is going to increase, which is going to start helping take some of the weight off, which is going to take some of the pressure off of your organs, which is going to take some of the cholesterol out of your bloodstream. Which is, and all this stuff is going to start dissipating. All this brokenness and disease and setback is going to start fixing itself because we're building your muscle mass. Okay. And, they said, and this doctor uh, says, I'm going to be your coach. And I'm, gonna let, I'm not going to let you miss going to the gym. I'm not going to let you just lift when you go to the gym 20 pounds. We're going to keep up in the weight. We're going to build your muscle. We're going to build your endurance. We're going to build your strength, which is going to help every part of your body. You're going to have clearer thoughts because you're going to be getting oxygen to your brain that you hadn't been getting for a long time. And you're gonna, everything's going to get better. So you're like, yeah, in the natural, that makes sense. I understand it. Well, it's the same in the spirit realm of our lives with faith. Faith is our muscle. Faith is our muscle. And if you looked at it this way. So what I do is I say, if I'm not seeing the results of what God's word says, then I know it's not on God. He's not the, the one that is shortchanging me. He's not the one that ran out of resources. He's not the one that lied. He's not the one that made a promise and is not going to keep it. He's not that. That's not him. That's not his character. That's that is opposite of who he is. So if there's something not getting through, then I'm going to examine myself and see what can I do. And then I find that it's all about my faith. Then I need to work on building my faith. Instead of living beneath the blessings. Imagine you work for this corporation and there was this, uh, the, the, guy, the founder of it, he was an amazing guy, you, you loved him, you served him, he paid you well. But there was this downturn in the economy and everybody's going bankrupt and everybody's going into foreclosure and everybody's closing their business and they're laying people off. And he comes to you and he says, if you'll hang with me, I'm going to have to, I don't want to lay you off. I don't want to, you have to close the business down. I, I need to keep going. But if you'll stick with me, I'm going to, for this season, I'm going to have to take you to minimum wage. I know it's going to put hardship on you and your family, but I can't do anything beyond that. This is a hard time. But I love you and I want you to stay with me. And if you'll ride this storm with me, I'm going to take care. I'll make sure the company takes care of you when we come out of the storm. And you say, okay, okay, I'll do that, sir. 
So you sign up, you go down to hardship, you're in minimum wage, and your family's uh, had to cut back, and you've had to let this go, and you've had to let that go, but you're working together, and over the years, you help him, and you come through, the economy starts picking back up, the business gets some good contracts, and finally, it looks like we're coming out of the red, we're going back into the black, but all of a sudden, you get the news, one morning you go to work, that the CEO owner has passed away in the night. And you find out the next week that the company is being sold. The estate is selling the company. The new people that buy the company, they take out all senior staff, take them out, take anybody that may want to make higher income, they take them out, and they're starting with a fresh batch. And you lose your job. Now you are in a bad position. Because the years that you helped to try and build this back up, you spent them with the company instead of starting another career, and now time has caught up with you. So you go and put your resume out, and no one wants to hire you because of how old you are now. And now, because you're not getting any income, and you're already just barely getting by, you're mowing some yards, you're splitting some firewood, selling firewood, anything you can do, little odds and ends, to try and keep the power on and some groceries coming in the house. But then it gets to the place that your body does not allow you to be able to do those things anymore. And you can't even mow the yard. You can't split the wood. You can't sell the firewood. You can't run odds and ends. You're kind of really broken down. So now you are down to nothing. And your, your home has lost its power. You've been foreclosed on, but they hadn't kicked you out of it yet. You're living in there. Everything is run down. Everything is half broken. Your clothes are tattered and torn and there's no food. And you're, you're like, I'm going to starve to death. And one day you go out to a shelter and, and while you're at that shelter, there's this uh, folks volunteering and one of the people volunteering used to be the vice president of the company when it was under that other management. And he says to you, what are you doing here? And you say, well, I'm, I'm so hungry. He said, did you not know that there was a trust set up for you? That Mr. So-and-so, the CEO, told me that he set a trust up for you for a million dollars. Part of his insurance, if anything ever happened to him, would go to beneficiary. You were the beneficiary, your trust was. So did you not hear that? He said, I never heard that. He said, well, it's at such and such bank. That's the bank the company worked with. You need to go talk to them. So you, with your torn, tattered clothes and your broken down body, half starving to death, you go to the bank and, and you ask the teller, uh, you know, could you look up and see if there's an account in my name? And it's kind of like DMV, you say my name, they say, what is your name? You say, my name is Tim. Last name? You've been there. So, so you ask and you tell them your name and she said, yes, sir, there's an account set up for you here. Uh, actually, you have a million dollars balance in your account. And you're like, wow, well, is, there, is it possible for me to get $5 out? I'm going across the street to this little fast food place that we're not going to call its name that sells unhealthy food and, we're, I, and I want to eat something. And the teller says, well, actually, you can have as much as you want up to a million dollars. And you tell the teller, well, well, just give me $5. And you shuffle your way, and you go and buy a meal, and you go back to that house that's foreclosed on, the family property that's going to be taken with no power, no running water, and you live in poverty and rags, leaving $999,995 in the bank in your account. 
Now that's how, that's the picture the Lord gave me of His church. That we're just more, even an unhealthy more, so we're just getting by. And He says that the gold and the silver are mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. He says, I, I, I am the God that will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. He said, it is my son who left his riches and came and took on the spirit of poverty head on head to, so that the spirit of poverty could be broken off of you that you could have the prosperity of God. Let me tell you what. The church is living beneath our privilege. We're living beneath the power. We're living beneath the provision of God. And we need a coach to tell us that we need to work on on our faith muscle so that we can start exercising and flexing that faith muscle to bring health to every area of our body and our life and the church and the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said in Mark 11 and 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, those things you ask when you pray, you get it, whatever, 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 whatever. How else could I say it? Whatever. Whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe. 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 Do you see that? This is Jesus instructing us. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. I'm telling you, we've got $999,995 still in the bank account and we're trying to go to this fast food, unhealthy lifestyle of just getting by. Let me tell you what, Psalms 81 and 10. I am the Lord, your God. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of sin. I brought you out of bondage. I brought you out of eternal damnation. I brought you up and I brought you out. All I need is for you to open wide your mouth and I will fill it. I need you to have faith to believe that you will receive and I will give it to you. Call on me, he said. Call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Hallelujah. Will you open wide your mouth? Will you pray big? Will you take faith to the next level? Will you let your prayer be a faith level praying? Come on, faith level praying. Come on, faith level praying. I want you. I'm challenging you. I am your coach. I am your doctor. I am the, the, the cattleman with the cattle prod. I am trying to get you into the right line, into the right stall, into the right pasture land so that you can soar, so that you can see the supernatural manifest of the glory of God on and in and through your life. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God some praise in this house. He's a good, good God. He's a good, good God. Hallelujah. He's an amazing, awesome God. Super abundantly above anything you could ask or think or imagine. Times a billion over. He wants you to, to experience. Come on, let's stand together. Father, we just stand in your presence now, Lord. And Lord God, we thank you for this word. We want to act on it. Not, not in our car. We might get distracted. The devil might try to stir up an argument between us and someone we came with. And may get one of the kids to act all crazy. Or get the parent to act all crazy going home. And we get off track. We're going to do it right now while we're here. Lord God, your word has brought faith to the next level. Hallelujah. And we're ready to exercise our faith. We're ready to do it right now in the name of Jesus. Praise God.
So what I want you to do is we're praying right now. I want you to first and foremost, I want us to start thanking God. I want us to ascribe glory and honor to God out loud. We, I want it, this to be done in concert. I want it to be done in concert. That means we do it out loud. You're the choir before the Lord right now. And I want you to start thanking Him, ascribing glory and honor to Him. And then as you're praising Him, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. You're praising Him. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now I want you to begin to, to begin to, as you're praising Him and ascribing glory unto Him, I want you to open your mouth wide and I want you to ask Him for something big. You say, I don't deserve it. It ain't about you deserving it because if it was about you deserving it, you'd be in hell right now. It is the mercy of God and the grace of God that goes beyond our merit that brings us the favor of God. Hallelujah. So if you're a child of God and you've declared Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you believe God's raised Him from the dead, as a child of God, your Father wants you to open wide your mouth right now and so He can fill it. Hallelujah. So in this concert of prayer, I want us to say bless Him and honor and pray and then open your mouth and ask for that big thing right now. And Lord God, I ask you, God, I ask you for the supernatural manifest of your healing power in this area. Lord, for deliverance in this area. Lord God, for provision in this area. Whatever it is, ask him right now. Open wide, open wide. Come on, open wide your mouth uh, so that he can fill it. Hallelujah. Ask him in faith right now. Ask him believing right now. And now the greatest uh, example and the greatest expression of faith is thanksgiving. You're already going to thank Him. So now go start thanking Him for it. Lord, I thank You for my healing. I thank You for the provision, Lord God. I thank You, Lord God. You made a way where there seemed to be no way. I thank You, God. You're opening up the Red Sea before me right now. I thank You, Lord God, that You're bringing provision in my desert time. I thank You, Lord God, that You're bringing me up out of the pit. You're bringing me up out of the mire. You're bringing me up out of the clay. I want to thank You right now. Depression is going. And joy, unspeakable and full of glory is coming. I thank you right now that my life of defeat is over and victory has come in Jesus' name. I just go ahead and thank Him. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. I praise you for it, Lord God. I bless you for it, Lord God. Go ahead and thank Him. Thank Him. Thank Him. Hallelujah! We bless you, Lord. And we praise you, Lord. And we grant glory and honor and ascribe praise unto you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory. If there's anyone in here who's never called upon Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I pray your faith is at the place right now that you can believe that Jesus Christ died for you, that Jesus Christ hung on the cross for you, that Jesus Christ was buried in a tomb for you. But on the third day, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead for you. And He lives and desires to live in you, live in your heart, and live through you. But you've got to invite Him. So if you're here this morning and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, I want you to run to this altar. Don't, don't scamper. Don't drag your feet. Don't be all casual about it. I want you to run to this altar and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. I don't want to keep living the way I've been living. I want to start living for the Lord. I want to start honoring the Lord. I want to start bringing glory to God. Hallelujah. If I'm speaking to anyone in here, I want you to run. I want you to run to this altar right now. And if, if you're listening by uh, uh, internet or you're listening by radio or you're listening by any other means right now,
now. We reach out to you. And if God is speaking to your heart, you can run to Him right now. Bow down. Get down by your bed. Kneel down by your sofa. Kneel down by your office chair. Kneel down in that. Wherever you're at, just kneel down right now. And say, Jesus, Jesus, Son of the living God, I believe that You are the Son of God. And come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with Your love. Fill me with Your presence. I welcome You now as I surrender my life to You. Jesus, I surrender my heart to You. Jesus, I surrender my future to You. From this day forward, I will live my life for You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Come on, let's give a big hand clap to those. We come to You. And we ask you now, if you don't have a Bible, call us at the church. Call us here, 757. Call us, 896-1000 is a good number to remember, or 479-5412. We've got a Bible for you. We've got a Bible study for you. We can help you. So if you'll contact us and let us know, we will be glad to come alongside and help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And now for everyone that is here and believe that this week's going to be better than last week, and you believe that you're going to be praying better than you were praying last week, come on, let's give God one more big hand. Hallelujah.